0: The year was 1981. S.K. Minon, a CID officer, felt the gravity of the situation tightening around him as he followed a sinister trail of blood leading him to the infamous Topayo Block 12. Moments ago, he had found young Ghazali Marzuki, a mere boy of 10, lifeless on the grassy patch beneath the towering block. As he ascended the building, the bloodied signs of a horrific act faded, ceasing abruptly on level 7 a number regarded as truthful and spiritual in many cultures. Staring at the freshly stained floor, Minon knew that the tragic demise of Ghazali had been recent. He swiftly ordered the area to be cordoned off. The block was instantly thrown into lockdown. Teams of officers began a systematic sweep of the building, eventually joining Minon on the ominous seventh floor. it was clear that this floor held the answers they sought. Looking down the long corridor, their entrances adorned with various shades of green, courtesy of the residents' fondness for corridor gardening. But one dwelling stood out, distinguishable by its haunting amber light at the entrance. In a statement made by Minon himself, he described the eerie sight: The house was very eerie. It was lit with amber light. And right in front, when you go in, is the altar. The oppressive narrowness of the passageways amplified the tension as Minon and his team approached the house. The door was thrown open to reveal a middle-aged man known as Adrian Lim, Singapore's ritual murderer. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast Brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by 1UP Media. This episode contains scenes of graphic imagery and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Adrian Lim was not always the malevolent figure at the heart of the Topaya ritual murders. Born on January 6, 1942, As the eldest of three siblings, Adrian's early life took a route less trodden. After just a year of education at the renowned Anglo-Chinese school, he chose to venture into a variety of professions. His journey from being an informant for the internal security department to working as a bill collector and then landing a job at Red Diffusion, the first cable radio station in Singapore, was an unconventional one. Over his 14-year tenure at the broadcasting company, Adrian developed a disturbing fascination with the supernatural world. He dived headfirst into the unknown, pursuing the enigmas of the occult. Eager to gain knowledge and power, he sought the guidance of a Bomo known as Uncle Willie, from whom he learned Malay and Thai spells. Armed with these mystical skills, Adrian left his stable job to pursue his new identity as a self-proclaimed medium. He claimed to possess exceptional healing abilities insisting he could channel supernatural forces. His trance-induced performances, complete with the use of foreign languages, captivated those seeking his assistance. However, his interest in the occult seemingly concealed a more primal, more sinister desire, his sexual urges. Using referrals and crafty deceit, he manipulated vulnerable women into believing that intimacy with him could purge them of so-called evil influences. Emboldened by his success, and tangled in his own web of lies, Adrian sought increasingly eccentric methods to boost his sexual potency. This included frequent visits to a clinic where he received hormone injections to enhance his virility. Doctors could vouch for Lim's constant presence, with records indicating that he requested hormone treatments no less than 40 times. Adrian Lim's background and his descent into the domain of the occult and manipulation provides critical insight into his role in one of Singapore's most peculiar and tragic cases. His complex history of power-seeking, exploiting vulnerable individuals, and engaging in peculiar practices would gradually attract followers, transforming Adrian from a fraudulent medium into a ritualistic murderer. But not without help. It's 1974 and Adrian Lim was gearing up for a typical day for his next visitor. Is this Adrian? Indeed, Catherine. Do step inside. I can already perceive the weight on your spirit. Adrian was right. Catherine Tan Mui Chu was wrestling with depression. Her somber demeanor, a testament of her underlying ordeal. Born in 1953, Catherine, the eldest of four siblings, led a life marred by neglect, her existence downplayed by her parents, who doted more on her brothers. At the tender age of 13, she was forced into a vocational centre an act that further estranged her from her family. At 17, Catherine was dealt another blow, the loss of her grandmother, the only kin who had ever shown her any affection. Left to fend for herself, Bereft of support and adequate education, she found herself working at a bar, striving to chart her own course amidst adversity. But tragedy had left its scars on her. She was slowly sinking into depression and battling undisclosed ailments when she chanced upon Adrian Lim, introduced by a colleague who believed he could provide some solace and aid. Within the confines of his Topayo flat, Adrian listened attentively to Catherine's plight, preparing an egg as he did so. Catherine, I perceive the roots of your troubles might be spiritual rather than just physical. Adrian might have suggested placing the egg close to her face. This egg will reveal if there are any negative energies affecting you. A bizarre method that Catherine readily accepted, hoping for a diagnosis and cure. As Adrian ran the smooth eggshell across his skin, his expression turned serious. Catherine, I regret to inform you. Adrian broke open the egg, revealing black needles inside. Catherine, these black needles signify a serious spiritual ailment. We'll need to meet regularly to remedy this. In court years later, Adrian would demonstrate this trick heating a needle until it blackened, inserting it into an egg, and then concealing the hole with powder. This was a tactic he frequently employed to convince his victims of his supernatural abilities and reinforce their belief in their ill health. For Catherine, this trick was the final push she needed. She started seeing Adrian regularly, looking to him for emotional support and guidance. In 1975, Catherine moved in with Adrian much to his wife's distress. A divorce soon followed, but Adrian was unperturbed. He now had a new companion. Standing before an altar of Chinese and Indian deities, Adrian clasped Catherine's hands, pronouncing her his holy wife and formalizing their union in 1977. But this was far from the fairy tale ending for Catherine. Their marriage unmasked Adrian's true nature. Drunk on his own lies and manipulations, he began to exert his power over Catherine. He forced Catherine into a life of stripping and prostitution, consistently lied and pocketed her earnings, pushing her further into the depths of despair. As her mental health deteriorated, Catherine shifted from being a victim to a co-conspirator, aiding Adrian in leering young female clients. The narrative becomes murky here because some people suggest that Catherine was persuaded into sexual relations with younger males to preserve her youth. For context, Catherine was barely in her early 20s at the time. Caught in this dichotomy of being both a victim and a perpetrator, Catherine became Adrian's loyal accomplice in what would be known as the Topayo Ritual Murders. But their unholy alliance was yet to reach its full strength. Ho Kah Hong, born on September 10, 1955, was the third child among six siblings. At the tender age of eight, Ho was left fatherless, an event that resulted in her being sent away to live with her aunt in Penang, Malaysia. Seven years later, Ho returned to her family at the age of 15. To support herself, she took on various jobs, including working as a seamstress, a factory worker, and a production operator at Hewlett-Packard. At the age of 23, she married a man named Benson Lowe. For the most part, her path seemed unlikely to cross with Adrian Lim. However, by the late 1970s, Adrian's influence had seeped into the minds of the superstitious, eventually ensnaring the whole family. Ho's mother initially brought Ho's sister to meet Adrian due to a depression. Rejected by her ex-lover, the sister was spiraling downwards, and the whole family was desperate for a solution. Witnessing Adrian's tricks, which had significantly evolved since his marriage with Catherine, Ho was gradually ensnared by Adrian's manipulative schemes. In addition to the egg and needle trick, he used a live snake to evoke terror and electrotherapy to manifest his divine power. Suddenly, I trembled all over and saw light everywhere, although my face was covered by black cloth. After the treatment, he said I was prettier than before, recalled Ho, who underwent the treatment alongside her sister. Throughout her sister's treatment, Adrian harbored a malevolent intent to draw Ho into his web and transform her into his second holy wife. Over time, he sowed seeds of paranoia, telling her that dark spirits were hovering around her, originating from her family and her husband. To safeguard her, he suggested that she stay by his side. Gradually, he crafted more lies, including informing her that she was an illegitimate child, escalating their relationship further. Eventually, he staged a mock holy wedding for her protection. By this time, Ho was thoroughly brainwashed by Adrian, to the extent of assaulting her own mother at the behest of the old master, a spirit that Adrian claimed was protecting her. Whenever Lim wanted me to do something, he would say that the old master had entered and had instructed that he pass the message to me. I would then do his bidding. As Ho plunged deeper into Adrian's deception, her husband Benson decided to intervene. On January 7th, 1980, he showed up at Topayo Block 12, determined to rescue his wife. I'm alright. I need to continue my treatment. Ho replied. Treatment? This is not any treatment I've heard of. Let's go home. As they argued, Adrian saw an opportunity. Benson... I agree with you. Benson was taken aback. You do? Yes. I agree that you haven't heard of these treatments. So naturally, you are skeptical. Why don't you try it? If it doesn't make sense, then by all means, take her back. Encouraged by Adrian, Ho added, Yes, Benson. Please accompany me for a therapy session. Reluctantly, Benson agreed. I'll try it. But I'm sure it won't work. Benson was instructed to sit on a chair, then directed to lock arms with his wife. They both rested their feet in separate basins filled with water. Adrian swiftly covered their eyes with a black cloth, thrusting them into darkness. Then, he passed each of them a wire. Are you ready? With that, a powerful shock coursed through their bodies. Benson felt his muscles seize up, reacting to the jolt of electricity. His heart pounded in his chest. The sensation was overwhelming. Ho also experienced an electrical surge, which felt like a sudden sting, prickling her entire body. As it rose in intensity, it would prove too much for her, and she blacked out. When she finally resurfaced from the depths of unconsciousness, the sound of hushed voices permeated her senses. Disoriented and still trembling from the residual shock, (sighs) she recognized the voices of Adrian and Catherine, their murmured conversation forming a sinister backdrop to the aftermath of the ordeal. As a blurry vision cleared, the sight that greeted her was one of horror. Her husband, the love of her life, was sprawled on the floor, lifeless and as still as the night. When she came to, she heard Adrian and Catherine talking, with her husband lying unconscious on the floor. Is my husband okay? Ho's question took Adrian by surprise. Yes. But unfortunately, the treatment proved too intense for him. What do you mean? Ho, your husband couldn't handle the treatment He's passed away. Years later in court, Adrian would declare that Ho's husband was a barrier, preventing Ho from fully submitting to him. To ensure that Ho could no longer resist his advances, he had to eliminate her from her husband's presence. By blaming it on accidental electrocution, with Ho's testimony as proof, Adrian evaded the consequences of his crime. Presumably, Ho loved her husband because his death pushed her further into depression and psychosis. She began to hear voices and often hallucinated about her husband Benson. Her condition deteriorated to the point where she had to be admitted to Woodbridge Hospital, giving her a much-needed respite from Adrian. But on recovery, she was sent back to Adrian who resumed his unorthodox treatment of electrotherapy. Eventually, Ho became dependent on Adrian's toxic support and his illusion of the old master transformed her from a patient to an accomplice. With Catherine and Ho by his side, two vulnerable women who had fallen into his manipulative grasp, Adrian started to traverse a sinister path towards his darker desires. His deceitful charm ensnared an increasing number of unsuspecting women Trapping them in his web of lies and false promises. But the extent of his malevolence did not stop there. In the depths of his depravity, he committed the unthinkable the cold blooded murder of two innocent, helpless children. But the only question that remains is why? That's coming up in the next episode. Anus, an Asian true crime podcast is brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. This episode was produced and written by Yeo Jin, with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.